that in order for there to be submission, there must be one that is superior and there must be one that is inferior. Okay? Now, if you did your homework, you learned that's not the case at all when we are talking about biblical submission between a husband and a wife. Most of the problems that people have with underst their understanding of submission is a result of their trying to understand it apart from its context and its foundation. We want to touch on both of those this morning. Here's the first point for your paper. Number one, submission is a concept that goes hand in hand with authority. If we want to understand submission, we need to understand authority. All right. Now turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. We're not going to have a full-blown lesson on authority, but we do want to hit on a couple of um, quick points. Genesis chapter 1, we're going to start with verse 3. Genesis 1, 3 says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Verse 5, God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. Verse 6, And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. Verse 8, And God called the expanse heaven. Okay, all through this first chapter, we see God bringing something into existence, and then he names it. All right? Now, move down to verse 26. Verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. All right, that's equality. Verse 28, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. In other words, rule. All right, now, do you remember that how we have said in the past that to name something in the Bible was to exercise authority over it? was to have leadership over it. So first thing in the Bible, we see God create something and then he has authority over it. All right, here's our next point, number two. God, as the sovereign creator, has ordained and instituted all authority to accomplish his purpose. God is the source of all authority. He made it, he rules over it. There is not a particle of dust that does not obey him. Now what we also see in this chapter is we see God giving authority. God's giving the authority to rule. So here's our next point, number three. All human authority is delegated, designed for the protection and good of those under authority. All right, now this should sound real familiar if you were here for the parenting course. Any authority a person has, it's coming from God. It's been delegated to him. It's not self-appointed. It's not to be used for their own advantage. All right, next point. Number four, godly authority does not imply superiority, but it does imply responsibility and accountability. Right, just because a person is in a position of authority doesn't mean he's superior, doesn't mean he's more important. Okay, it does mean he has unique responsibilities, and he's going to be accountable for the position that he's held. All right, so just to be clear, we've said this before. Men and women are equal in worth and dignity and importance according to the scripture. Sarah Bessie is the author of the book Jesus Feminist. And she has a very popular blog where she wrote about the Huffington Post interview with Candace Cameron Bure. This is what she wrote about submission. 
I believe that Candace Cameron Bure is wrong here. This method or strategy may well be how her marriage works, and if so, that's lovely, but it's not necessarily biblical. In fact, the idea that a man is the head of the home has its roots in secular ancient culture, not in the word of God or the created order of humanity. And the idea that I, as a wife, I would need to become passive or smaller or somehow less in order to make my marriage work is damaging and wrong. Now, to be fair, Candace Bure made no such claims. But did you catch what Sarah Bessie is saying? She thinks that in order for her to submit to her husband, she would need to become passive or small or somehow less. She thinks inferior. She thinks in order for her to submit to her husband, she would need to be inferior. She cannot imagine a woman submitting to her husband without becoming inferior. I wonder if that describes any of you. This is probably a good time to discuss what submission isn't. Let's talk about what it isn't before we talk about what it is. All right, so for starters. All right, submission is not submitting to abuse. All right, if abuse is a problem, uh, if you have a friend where you know abuse is a problem, get help, seek a higher authority, speak out. I have a friend that had an abusive situation and so I went and spoke to a police officer friend about it and he just immediately began to tell me and rattle off all these different things that could be done for her. There were organizations, things already in place to help such a situation. He made it very clear that this state, this city, this church does not tolerate the abuse of women. So get help. All right. Uh, another thing that submission is not is submitting to sin. All right. Let's say that your husband asks you to do something illegal. Maybe he wants you to steal something. Or maybe he wants you to cheat on your taxes or fudge on your, on your books or whatever. Okay, you're going to just very kindly tell him, no, I cannot do that. All right, what if he wants you to do something immoral? Maybe he wants to do something fun, have some wife swapping, watch porn or something, something immoral. Okay, again, you're not going to submit to that. Okay, so um, here's, our, here's our first point under what submission is not. Number one, a wife is not called to submit to sin, mistreatment, or abuse. All right, another thing that submission is not. Submission does not mean mindless acquiescence, okay, or blind obedience, or what John Piper calls, it does not mean leaving your brain at the altar, Okay, it does not mean that you don't ever confront or that you don't ever speak truth or give your opinion. It does not mean that you don't express your feelings or desires. All right, so here's our next point. Submission is not mindless, formulaic, or simplistic. Your homework had the story of the author's boys wrestling and how they loved putting each other in submission holds. And she described that as when two people, they're grappling for a position and the stronger one forces the weaker to surrender. And her point in telling it was that's how often people view biblical submission. 
the submission that is, it's an undesirable, conquered position. Now, listen again to Sarah Bessie in her blog about cameras, Cameron Candace Bure. She writes, submission, it is damaging to the image of God. A woman who is held back, minimized, or downplayed is not walking in the fullness God intended for her as an image bearer. Now, did you hear how she described things? She said held back, minimized, downplayed. That's a woman in a submission hold. She's describing taking a woman and putting her in a submission hold. Now, thus to be very clear, that's not what the Bible is advocating at all. Here's our next point, and it's from the book. Number three, submission is not an undesirable position that involves conquest, subjugation, inferiority, and or oppression. I spent literally hours reading articles and blogs by feminist evangelicals who are totally against a wife submitting to their husband. And without exception, this is how they view biblical submission. A woman being minimized and put into some type of submissive hold. Okay, but to be clear, that's not what submission is. All right, that's not what submission is. It's not the chokehold. Um, we've talked about what submission is not. Let's talk about what it is. So to do that, let's turn to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, we're going to start with verse 21 and read to the end of the chapter. Ephesians 5, 21. Submitting to one another <clears throat> out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. What is biblical submission? Does it mean to hold somebody back? or downplay, or minimize, or put somebody in a submissive hold. Well, let's take a look at this passage. For starters, I want you to see that it's the wives that are being instructed to do something. Okay, remember we said it's hupotasso. They're being instructed to hupotasso, which means to voluntarily place yourself or rank yourself under position. Okay, the picture is a battlefield, and your husband your husband's here, he's in the front, and you are going to voluntarily align up and rank yourself behind him, okay? That is not the picture of a submissive hold, grabbing your wife and dragging her into line. 
Okay, that's not the picture that we see here. All right, also, I want you to notice the instruction is to the wife. The husband is not being commanded to put his wife in sub to, into subjection or to make her to submit. It is the choice of the wife. If your husband is under the impression that it is his job to make you submit or put you into subjection, you can very kindly and humbly explain to him that that is the type of thing that Muslims do. It is not the way Christians work. All right, here's our next point. The concept of submission originated in the gracious heart of God. All right, that is opposite that is opposite of what the big argument and the popular argument is today. The popular argument is that submission is a result of the fall and that it is the result of a bunch of apostles that were influenced by Roman Greco culture. Okay, but listen, submission is not punishment for sin and it is not something that has been devised by a bunch of old men trying to keep women in their place. It's God ordained. Okay, God has ordained that wives submit, that wives willingly arrange themselves behind their husbands. All right, now what would that look like? Here's our next point. Submission is not so much an action as it is an attitude. Okay, it's an attitude. The homework helped make the distinction between submission like we see here and obedience. Mary Cassian wrote this. Submission boils down to having a spirit of amenability. It means being soft, receptive, responsive, and agreeable. That word amenable, sometimes it's pronounced amenable. It can go both ways. It means that the woman is leadable as opposed to ungovernable. She's responsive to input and likely to cooperate. Does that describe you? If I were able to secretly watch you and the way you relate and act to one another, would that, character, would that characterize your disposition with him? In our first course on womanhood, we talked about the woman's design to be soft and receptive. We're seeing the same thing here. Are you agreeable to your husband's leadership. Now, you might be thinking, well, why must wives do this? I mean, look there at verse 21. It says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Why can't we just stop there? Shouldn't husbands and wives both be submitting to one another? Why do we need the gender-specific instruction? Well, next point. Number three, submission is not gender-exclusive. In a community of believers, the principle of submission governs all relationships. All right, in other words, among believers in Christ, we are to be regarding one another as more important than ourselves. So we're going to be ranking ourselves behind people and below people. John MacArthur puts it like this. He says, the spirit-filled life isn't a fight for the top, it's a fight for the bottom. Okay, so men have a responsibility to submit to. This is not just something that's required of women. Every Christian has the responsibility to submit to the Lord and to the authorities that God has placed in their lives. 
Okay, then. All right. If the body of Christ is to be submitting to one another, then why the added instruction to wives? Why are women in particular called to be leadable and amenable? Why can't we just have mutual submission between the two? Why can't we just both be co-heads? Why can't we, we just be like Claire and Cliff Huxtable and do it the way they did it? This idea of co-head and mutual submission, by the way, is, is hugely popular. If you get on the internet and you read all the blogs by all the Jesus lovers that are out there, this is exactly what they're going to be promoting. You're going to be hit by this big time. Rachel Held Evans and Sarah Buss, Buss, Bessie, they're egalitarians. And they teach that God wants mutual submission in the home. They teach verse 21 should describe what it is like in the home. And they tell you that you and your husband are both heads. No one is in charge. Or sometimes they might say that you are both in charge as you submit to Jesus. They are completely against what they call hierarchy and gender-ordered roles in the home. Here's your next point. It's the opposite. Number four, to further display his glory, God instituted a husband's leadership and a wife's submission at the beginning of creation prior to the entrance of sin. Now that's a mouthful. But let's, let's see this. First of all, go back to verse 22. It says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now verse 31. Therefore... A man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. All right, where's that coming from? Where, where do we hear that? Genesis, yeah, right off the bat, Genesis 2. Okay, um, and we don't want to miss that because he is not taking them to the culture of his day. He's taking them back to the garden. All right, he's pointing back to the garden. And then look what he says in verse 32. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Here's our next point. The fact of the husband's headship means there are gender-based roles in marriage as ordained by God. All right, so yes, God begins with mutual submission in verse 21 as he's addressing the church. All right, and then he turns and he gets very specific and he begins to address the married couple and he points them back to the garden. He points them where male and female were created equal, where they have two distinct genders and two distinct roles where the husband is the head. Rachel Held Evans, she holds an egalitarian view as opposed to a complementarian view. Here's how she describes it. She says Christians who identify as egalitarian usually believe that Christian women enjoy equal status and responsibility with men in the home, church, and society, and that teaching and leading God's people should be based on giftedness rather than gender. Giftedness rather than gender. That's the popular teaching that you're going to be hearing out there. They're saying, in other words, that the headship of your home should be determined by giftedness rather than gender. You're both co-heads, you're both to lead, but things will be determined by giftedness rather than gender. Now, my gut is to say, that's very nice. And in many ways, that's how my husband and I function. 
We totally want to utilize each other's gifts and each other's strengths. But what happens when you don't agree? What happens when your husband says, gee, honey, I don't agree. I think we should do this my way. And I say, well, gee, honey, I think I'm the more gifted. <laughs> now, Rachel Held Evans and Sarah Bessie say in their blogs that because they are practicing mutual submission, that doesn't happen. But I'm here to tell you it happens in mine. I have a husband that is incredibly kind and generous and thoughtful, and yet we still experience gridlock. Five times in Scripture, women are specifically told to submit to their husbands, and it is not the other way around. You do not read of a husband being told to submit to his wife. My disposition, my attitude in my marriage is to be leadable and agreeable. Here's our next point. God's ultimate intention for headship and submission in marriage is to reflect the relationship of Christ and the church. According to this passage, the husband is to mirror the sacrificial love of Christ by laying down his life for his wife. And the wife is to exemplify the church's joyful submission to Christ by following her husband's leadership. Let me put this another way. Your submission to your husband is not just so that you can make things run more smoothly in your home. Your submission to your husband is not just so that you are able to avoid gridlock and make family decisions. Ultimately, your submission to your husband is to mirror the relationship between Christ and the church. Your disposition, your agreeableness, your leadability, those are to put on display the relationship between Christ and the church and the relationship of the father, of the son, and the father. Hear me, son. Hear me now. Your submission is so much bigger than harmony in your homes. Five times, wives are told to submit to their husbands, and every time it is mentioned, it is within the context of addressing believers, wives that are believers. Now, why is that? Because apart from the gospel, this makes no sense. As I was watching the TLC clip, about the submissive wives and the main character. And she's talking on and on about how joyful her marriage is and how submission is a gift. And I realized that it could have been edited. But as she was talking, I, I did not hear her mention Jesus. I did not hear her mention the gospel. All she kept saying was how this couple needed to learn submission. Listen, let's be very clear. That poor couple doesn't need submission. That couple needs the gospel. If a woman were to come to me today and explain to me that she was having marital problems and want counseling, 
would I advise her to submit to her husband? Well, that would depend on whether she was a believer because submission isn't going to make much sense if she's not. You might think, well, I, will, I would say this, I would use the topic of submission to talk to her about the gospel. Now, you might be thinking, well, won't her marriage be better if she at least does things God's way? What if she's a non-believer? Wouldn't it at least help her home to do things God's way? Well, maybe to a degree, it might bring order and improvement into her home. But see, submission isn't the end all. Submission is intended to point to Jesus Christ and glorify him. So how do we do this? How do we submit to our husbands? Here's our next point. To submit biblically to your husband, you must recognize that he is, in fact, your head. This Ephesians passage, it states clearly that the husband is the head of the wife. This is not implying that he is more important. It's implying order. He is your head, and if you are to biblically submit to your husband, it's going to require that you recognize that he is your head. There is a ton of so-called biblical teaching out there that is ready to tell you that your husband is not your head and that any type of order is a result of the fall. I want you to see one more last verse. Turn back to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. This verse is after Adam and Eve have sinned, and God is addressing the sin and the consequences. 3.16 says, To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children. Yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule, rule over you. The phrase, your desire will be for your husband, We've talked about this before. That, as you know, is um, not talking about your affection for him or your sexual desires for him. This is talking about your desire to dominate him, to manipulate him, to rule over him. You see, submission, submitting to your husband's headship is not a consequence of the fall. Resisting it is. Resisting it is the consequence of the fall. Your natural inclination, this side of the garden, is going to be to rule over him or the very least to co-rule with him. Everything around you today is telling you that you should be loud and pushy and demand your own rights. That's what your disposition should be. Everything around you is telling you that there is no way that you could submit to your husband and still be equal. And so the answer to that is to rule over him or co-rule. All of that, all of that is a result of the fall. Here's our next point. The instruction to submit to a husband is directed to redeemed wives because it is a grace-empowered virtue. The instruction to submit is given to believers. The non-believer does not have a desire to submit. She does not have the power to submit. In the TLC clip, 
the lady said that submission was for strong women. The truth of the matter is that submission is for spirit-filled women. In this day and age, unless you have the spirit of God, it makes no sense to be soft and, and receptive and agreeable and leadable. As Susan Hunt puts it, there are no logical arguments for submission. There are no logical arguments for submission. I want to close with a quote from her. And she's talking about submission. She says this, Submission is the defining virtue of the defining virtues. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is the watershed issue for the true woman. Submission goes to the center of our heart. It is the infrastructure of our obedience. There is probably nothing that exposes our hearts as plainly and painfully as our attitude about submission. Let me ask you, what does your attitude about submission reveal about your heart? Is your submission putting the spotlight on the submissive attitude between Christ and the church and the relationship of the son with the father? Here's our final point. For the true redeemed woman, an amenable disposition is where the rubber meets the road. Let's pray. Father, you have, you have given us your spirit that we might be the kind of women that can submit to our husbands. And yes, the world may think we're crazy and idiots and have no explanation for it. I pray that you will help us to be women that are quick to submit so that we might put the relationship of Christ and the church on display. I pray that we'll be women that mirror the beauty of that. I pray that you'll help us with our attitudes, that we can be soft and agreeable and leadable for the glory of God. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.